Good morning. This is Charlie Belfontaine with the Home Buyers Hour. Thank you for listening in. Um, this is a show about client advocacy, basically. So we do have with us um, via Clean Feed, Joey Matthews. Um, he's our mortgage expert that comes down here. Joey, if you don't mind, say hi and give us the, the contact information for you, please. Yes, sir. What's going on, guys? Uh, Joey Matthews, NMLS 1330694, Jorge uh, over at the Federal Savings Bank, and my cell phone, the only good phone to reach me on is 630-235-2405. Good. And in our studio right now, we have our real estate expert. His name is Mark Dollard. Uh, Mark, if you don't mind, give us some information about your company, your real estate office you work for, your f- cell phone number, all of your contact information, please, and thank you. You bet. All right. Uh, Mark Dollard with Jameson Sotheby's International Realty. Our, our office is internationally known as being the most trusted real estate uh, company in the world. Um, according that's to a the nice credential. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the most important thing. I think trust is the ultimate currency when it comes to real estate and everything that we do in the industry. Um, my cell phone is 773-677-2529. And that, just like Joey, is the best number to get a hold of me. There's pretty much nothing else that works. And uh, I work out of the Old Town office, but I work all over Chicago and, and Chicago land. So. Do you find yourself going into the office often or not really? Usually to pick up mail or maybe <laughs> get, the some, same way. get some keys or something like that. That's about it. Yeah. Um, not in there that much. You know, they, they used to say, like, the office I worked in before was a smaller office. And they said, if you're in the office, you're not getting work done. Okay. I got you. you know? <laughs> so, and kind of live by that. Like, it's better to be out on the street, you know. So, and our name of our company is Chicagoland Home Inspectors. And that's kind of what my profession is. Um, our website is www.thehome.com inspectors and that's plural ors and it's a dot com and our phone number is 312-544-9180 and i will confess as we ask that phone number a few times in the future i'm probably going to forget it so don't don't hold that against me because i can't remember a simple phone number you know i i can remember everything when i was 18 years old but not nothing now today so um it's kind of a different market gentlemen that we have here and joey i kind of want to start with you and and mark i'd like you to jump in with Joey and, and discuss some of these things. Um, we, we had a conversation about um, MBS, Joey, a little bit earlier. Can you explain to me what that is and what's going on with that as it, as it pertains to home buyers in our market? Yeah, so MBS, it's, it's mortgage-backed securities. It's uh, basically, for all intents and purposes, it is the price of mortgages when we are discussing rate and what those rates cost. And it's really on the secondary side, which is uh, the where the transactions for, for mortgages happen, uh, buying and selling Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Ginny Mae for the government loans. Um, and I, I've been watching it ever since January 3rd. The, uh, the government, which over the last two years has had a policy of a limited mortgage-backed security purchases, right? Which is why... <laughs> Rates for the last two years have been significantly artificially low and increased buying power of individuals so much. It's also a big reason why home values started to rise because affordability started getting stronger. Now, the government over the course of the last eight months up until January 3rd has said, you know, hey, we're going to start limiting buybacks. We're going to start limiting buybacks. What does that mean? Limiting buybacks. What does that mean? And, and I'm sorry for the dumb questions. I don't know anything about this. I'm totally ignorant. So that's why I want to know. Uh, it means that the rates are likely going to start going up a little bit. No, limited buyback, that phrase that he used, does that mean that the government is not buying that much? or They're not going to do just wanton buying of whatever they feel like they, they need to buy. They're going to actually kind of slow it down significantly to where it will affect, affect rates rather than keeping rates as low as possible. They're going to affect something that will raise the rates a little bit. Am I right, Joey? Oh, no. I hope he didn't lose Joey. <laughs> it says he's there. He probably muted himself. All right. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, Joey, if you did mute yourself, please unmute. Um, and let's see what we can figure out from there. So the limited buyback, we might have to come back to Joey in a little bit because I'm not hearing him right now. And... Um, but that's going to be affecting, you're familiar on this terms, right? Because yeah. you guys get involved with all the different aspects of the home buying process. 
not just a mortgage, not just a home inspection or the legal stuff. It's everything. So go into more detail with that. So that means they're not going to be buying. The government buys the mortgages. Is that what I'm understanding? Yeah. So think of it this way. The mortgage price, like mortgage price is a bond. It's called okay. a bond. And a bond is an interest rate product. The price of a bond is inverse to interest rates. So bond prices go up. That means interest rates come down. Um, and, and so when, you, right. And yep. so if you have the government buying, like, do, like unlimited buying, they're pushing the bond prices up, which means that the interest rate yields are getting lower. It's kind of the simple way to say it. Joe, are you there? Thank you. Yeah, I'm still here. All right. <laughs> and I'm sorry I interrupted you before. So, you you know, keep going on, please, about the MBS and they're not buying back. And where were you going with that? <clears throat> oh, my God. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I got dropped for a little bit there. Um, I apologize. Uh so, yeah, so the government it, it, it sold off a significant amount of, of its uh, MBS balance sheet. Um, and it, 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 for all intents and purposes, it's led to a rising rate environment. However, we also have a $7 million home shortage in the United States. So rates are still on the way up, though I, I feel like they should at least have leveled by now or, or, or at least come down a little bit from, from where they've gotten to over the last month. Are you talking um, about the rates or the house prices? Rates, rates, okay. rates, rates. Yeah, home value. We're, we we are significantly short on 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 uh, supply versus the demand for homes. I mean, seven million dollars. I'm sorry, seven million homes short uh, nationally. It's 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 an insane environment right now. Wow, mm-hmm. no, that is insane. And what does that mean? No, I, I thought they're still talking about raising the rates over the next year. Yeah, so what we're looking at with that, that's the Fed. And there's a, uh, a Fed chair named Bullard in uh, St. Louis who has, uh, he wants on March 1st for the Fed to raise the base rate a full 1% rather than taper up by a quarter, which is usually what happens. They'll raise from zero to a quarter. And that really affects the uh, cost of banks to borrow money from, uh, from the Fed, right? So when it costs more for banks to borrow money, now banks charge more to borrow the consumer. Generally, you're going to see it more on short-term debt and revolving debt than you'll see it on mortgages. However, anytime it happens, uh, there's a small overreaction in the MBS and bond market, and then it just tapers right back down. So granted, if if the Fed were to go a full 1% higher, like Bullard would like, because he's insane, then (laughs) that's... that's, that's... Quit beating around the bush, really. (laughs) Tell me how you feel. Yeah. Oh, my God. there's a lot that goes into this long term, and I think if he if he really pushed for that, I know it, it's to fight inflation, obviously, which is currently out of control. But if you look at history, every time we've been in a significant period of inflation, we've gone and overly over raised the rate or went too hard on raising the rate off the bat, always goes straight to a recession. So it's a, it's not something that would affect the housing market, but it's certainly something that uh, you know I'm keeping my eye on right now. You almost have to because that's all our businesses. And, mm-hmm. you know, once everything starts slowing down and I don't know, it, it's always a wave the way I see it. And we were chatting a little bit earlier. It seems like the the eights are kind of like a magic year for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. But I remember when I bought my first house in 88, um, prices were tough, you know, and interest rates were high. I, I want to say I bought mine with 19 and a half percent interest on an adjustable rate mortgage um, because I couldn't afford a fixed mortgage and at that time on my salary. And I was just happy because it was dropping just about every month. And I remember when we got down to 12 and I'm like, oh, we got to lock in. We got to get this. It'll never get lower than 12. <laughs> you know, shows what I know. I'm just a big old dummy, you know, when it comes to it. Um, th- thanks, you know, Joy, for doing all that stuff. And yeah, I hope they do go in small increments and you know, I, I get it. Things have to slow down a little bit, you know, with with the inflation and stuff, because it's starting to get a little little out of hand. And, Mark, you brought up another point earlier about, or at least I think it was you, with new construction as well and the supply chain and cost of materials. Mm. We don't have a lot of new homes that we're needing to be built either, do we? Yeah, it's it's hard to – builders are having a little bit tougher time. They're still generally mm. confident. Okay. But the confidence levels have dropped. So, I mean, they're more confident than not confident, but they're charging quite a bit more. The average house, um, 
you know, lumber prices have been on a wild ride, you know, oh up, and, God, up yes. and down all over the place. They've recently gone back up again. So it's very expensive to do, you know, a lot of the normal lumber things that you have yeah. with new construction. A lot of supply chain issues with finishes. You know, if there's a certain bathtub you want, you'll get it in six months. Um, you'll have work. Labor. Yeah, labor is really tough. Yeah. You know, the tile guy that used to charge $5 a square foot is now charging close to 10 And that's getting just passed along to the consumer. So and on I, the new construction side, it's you can have it, but you're really going to pay for it. There's going to be a premium tied to it for sure. Yeah, I think with all this COVID, and Joey, you jump in too, you know, I, I think we lost a lot of our workforce. I don't think they're really mm -hmm. coming back. People realize they can survive on one income, you know, kind of how mm -hmm. our parents did, you know, when, when I was younger and stuff. We, they were able to survive on one income, and the other, the other person would stay home with the children, you know, and so they're actually figuring out how to live within those means. And that shortened up a lot of our labor force, which caused our labor prices to go up as well. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think a lot of people also found out that just going to work is expensive. Oh my God, yes. Having having the right, you know, the, the business clothes yeah. and paying for the car, and, and you know, all of a sudden, if you don't have the car payment, you don't have the gas, the insurance, you're not buying your, the clothes for it, you're not going out to lunch every day, or just eating a sandwich at home all this type of stuff, you're saving a lot of money. And people mm -hmm. found, oh, you know what? Maybe I don't, like, a lot of this money that I'm making, I'm using just to make the money. Right. You know, it's not really something, and I can just at home do a side gig that pays less. But ultimately, you know, my take home is the same because I'm not spending all this money on these other ancillary things that go with going into work. And especially if a lot of people can start doing... I don't know, subcontracting or, or per piece work. I don't know what the right term mm -hmm. is. But they were doing it from home. Yeah, gig economy. Yeah. You know, that's gig economy. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I I always have a loss for words, <laughs> and I appreciate that very much. So, um, let, I I want to switch gears a little bit. I want you to tell us a little bit more about our conversation earlier about navigating this market. So right now, mm -hmm. our we have low inventory. Right. You know, very low inventory. Joey, you were making what was that number you used? Seven million. Yeah, we have a 7 million home shortage based on demand across the country right now. And, and Chicago is one of the markets that it, it's it's short. It's incredibly short. And Mark can definitely, I'm sure, speak more to that piece. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, in Chicago, it's a little different from the rest of the country, though. In Chicago, it's very segment specific. What do you mean by that? High rises, condos are... Okay. Pricing overall in Chicago for condos is flat compared to last year, more or less. But Interesting. single family homes are, are up a lot. And single family homes in the suburbs are up a whole bunch. Four years ago, the suburbs were completely dead. You couldn't sell something in the suburbs to save your life. And now it's the hardest house to buy is something in the suburbs. Wow. And so it is highly segmented here. A lot of the people moved out of the high rises because and or didn't want to buy in the high rises because you know, you had COVID restrictions, you're paying these assessments, monthly assessments, HOA fees. And you're part of that is, you know, going towards the gym or something like that. Yeah. But you can't use the gym because they have a they have it shut down because of COVID restrictions, stuff like that. And then a lot of people were living in the high rises to be close to work. And then all of a sudden now they don't have to be close to work or they only have to come in one one day a week. So so people are saying, Why am I paying this much per square foot when I can pay a lot less per square foot? You know, elsewhere when I don't have to be here. So we've seen that it's it is highly segmented. There's plenty of demand, especially in older high-rise buildings. Or sorry, plenty of supply in older high-rise buildings. You go to some of these Gold Coast and um, you know that old town. Some of those high-rises that are from the 70s, and there's stuff to choose from for sure. And nice. but it's just not what people want right now. You right. know, lifestyles have changed enough that that's not what people are looking for. These others, How do you stay up on all that stuff? Seriously, you know, in the in the different neighborhoods, which one is, you know, a hotter market, or which one has more supply? You're smiling at me. It's like, how well, the hell are you doing? It ain't easy. <laughs> well, it's it's more. I at any given time, I have a decent number of buyers that are looking for a fairly diverse set of properties, all right. and you just kind of naturally keep up with what's going on by seeing what they're going through. <laughs> you know, does that make sense? And then also having your listings, you know, and you know which ones are hard to sell. You have something listed in one of these high rises and you go, man, like no one is requesting showings for this. 
and I think our price is okay, but for some reason no one wants to look at it. And so you just get a feel for this, and then you start saying, why is this happening? You know, why, why can't I sell this when I generally have a pretty easy time selling stuff? Then you go and look at the numbers, and you go dig deeper into what's going on in the neighborhood, and then you just kind of naturally figure it out. You know, you start to get that good sense for what it's like. Nice. I like that. Um, so tell me a little bit more about, you know, what you're doing with your clients when you're trying to find yeah, the limited homes, right? right? So it's a short market, and and I'm going to make a statement here. You have to move fast. A lot of times, yeah. You All right. Do, yeah. So go into more detail on that, if you don't mind. Tell me your sure. process with the short market and how you stay on top of things and how you go from there. Right. So the way that I think about it when we're talking about these low inventory markets and moving fast is number one is information. So information is everything and in a lot of ways fast information so you want to be able to have a very very detailed conversation with your buyer before you even look at anything so you know exactly what they're looking for not just oh how many bedrooms do you need what neighborhood yeah it's like other things what do you else? need do you need a yard um how much work are you willing to do you know definitely need to know your budget um need to know where you're uh like what do you what do you do for work what do you do for fun what are going to be the places that are going to actually work with both of those you know if if you like to go out to restaurants that's probably a little bit different location than if you mostly like to go to the park with your dog you know so figuring all that out and have knowing that ahead of time and knowing what someone really wants is some because someone's buying it for a lifestyle and knowing that lifestyle fit is more than just how many bedrooms and bathrooms it is you know it's it's a lot of things, and you have to know what people really care about, what are their very important points to have. You know, do they drive or not drive? Do they take the L or not? That type of stuff. And so knowing all that really, really well down to very fine details is important. And then you have to set up a search, and we're not perfect uh, as, as agents, you know, right. right? So what happens is people put these listings in on the, on the multiple listing service and, you know, goes through Zillow and all the websites and all this type of stuff. Type of stuff. But they... <clears throat> Don't always put everything in correctly. So you kind of want to have that search be not like with a lot of parameters on it. You want to have just smaller number of parameters so you're not missing anything. It's a low inventory environment. You don't want to put a lot of filters on it and then filter out something that might work. And so as an agent, it means you have to be more diligent, more proactive, having fewer filters, but watching, the, watching what happens as they come up. And if you see something and it looks good and you know your client really well, you know your buyer really well, you can say, I've seen that this is going to be a really good fit for you. And they might be busy. They may not see it because they're probably getting that feed too. They're probably going to see it. But who knows? Maybe they're busy at work, blah, blah, blah. And they, you know, if you are proactive and say, hey, we're going to go see that. I think this is a really good fit for you. And with my expertise and just knowing what you really want, this is a good chance for us to go this. If you can be more proactive, then you can have the speed. You know, because you're going to be one of the first ones to see it. And then there's also other avenues for finding things off market. That's really important, too. So there's a private network in the MLS, but there's a way as an agent you can pay for a service like ZenList that will give the private Go into listings. more detail on that, if you don't mind. Um, so they have things where they don't go full to market. So it's, it, it won't syndicate out to the websites. Like it won't go to Zillow and that type of thing. And what type of properties go on there? Is it? Anything. Anything. Yeah, just about right. anything. Um, the description won't be as full as it will be in a full MLS listing. Um, a lot of times there might only be like one picture. Um, and sometimes the they aren't quite ready to be shown yet. You know, they're just kind of putting it out there that it's, you know, it's possible that it's going to be coming to market type of thing. But a lot of them can be shown. And if you're onto the private stuff, you have a better chance of seeing something before it hits and everyone sees it on all the websites and has a million eyes on it, you might have a chance to actually do a little negotiation, you know, before, before you have a hundred people involved, you know? Um, the other, there's another thing that's kind of an invitation thing called the top agent network Okay. that is similar. It's market, it's properties that aren't on market yet. They will be going to market most of the time, but they're not quite yet. And you can scour that too. Um, so, any of those tools that are available, there's also just networks, knowing people. Is it just like a private group, that tap network group? It, it's an invite for, you mm -hmm. know, like agents that are good agents, basically. Kind mm -hmm. of, you know, you can't be someone that 
Are, you, are you in that group? I guess. Okay. I, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, but they, uh, but you have that, and then there's also just networks in general. So knowing people, I, I found a kind of hard to find thing like a, a nice penthouse with good space for a client last year purely by just talking with people about, do you have anything like this coming up? And a guy that I know said, oh yeah, I've got this. And we talked about it and said, oh yeah, that's perfect for him. And then we saw it before anyone else and just got a deal done. And he was the only one that saw it. Nice. You know, um, there are a lot of other things. You can also, I'll sometimes call, you know, if I see that there was a listing that was, you know, canceled, I'll call the listing agent and say, hey, do you think they might still be interested in selling? This fits someone. Because people cancel for different reasons. Sometimes they still want to sell, but you know something's going on where they just don't want to have it on the market and have showings all the time. That, you know, yeah. but but if there's someone that's super interested, there's a perfect fit for. They might say, yeah, sure, bring them through. You know, stuff like that. So I'll call the agent that had the listing and say, hey, did you know? Is there a chance they still might want to sell this? I think I ha it's perfect for the, my buyer. You know, so there's a lot of other avenues you can take that is purely you know not just what's on Zillow and things like that. No. How long were you in the real estate business? Uh, ten years now, a little over so ten years. So this doesn't come in real estate school. No, right? all this stuff that you're sharing me. No, no. And so a lot of this goes with experience and everything else, and yeah. it makes a lot of sense. And you know, and tell me, that is in the real estate community, you guys all get along pretty well. Some do, sometimes. some don't. Yeah, yeah. All right. I yeah. guess it's the same in the home inspection business too. Yeah, yeah, there's some people that I think are phenomenal. I'm willing to share, and there's other people that I wouldn't, mm -hmm. I wouldn't trust them all that far, and I kind of keep my distance from. Is that the same in you? Uh, one thing I really like about my company is it's pretty collaborative. I know yeah. I've I've heard from other people that their offices can be kind of dog eat dog type of situations. With us, we're we do help each other out quite a bit. So a lot of times. I like seeing what my colleagues are doing. I ask them questions. They're almost always happy to help. Yeah. And sharing you know, resources versa. and mm -hmm. you know any sort of advice. Does that you think come from what, what's the person who's in charge of the office? Is that the managing broker? The managing broker. Because um, that's also a license title, isn't it? Yeah. So the managing broker is usually kind of setting the culture, but an office will also have. And sometimes the managing broker is also the owner. You know, it depends. All the offices are a little bit different with how they're owned and you know, how those things go. But generally, it's the managing broker that kind of sets the culture, you know, and how they want to go about that. Nice. Yeah. And then, but I'm sure it takes one bad apple to get in there, and it gets to be kind of contagious uh, in its own way. And it it's can, good to keep them away. It can be, but real estate's a little, I mean, real estate's a little different. Like, I was talking about, I don't go to the office at all. And the people that are in the office tend to be like support staff and stuff like that. There's not that many agents in the office. You right. know, really. I don't go in either. So. so if someone's a bad apple, but they're out on the road all day, they probably aren't causing that much issue compared to yeah. a, a, like a traditional office. Because they're not in know. a group. Yeah, yeah. They're not there like talking, you know, doing all the scuttlebutt with everyone, you know, in, in the office and things like that. So it tends to not be as, as much like that as it is in other other industries, I don't think, you know, where people are just sitting by each other day after day, you know, and they start hearing stuff because they've run out of things to talk about, <laughs> you know, and so, so yeah. some of the maybe not so great stuff starts coming out, you know. But the good thing about it is the real estate is ever changing. Yeah. So we can always talk about something new that comes in here. And, you know, in the, in the Chicago market or more specifically the suburbs and that um, how long is a house staying on the market? How fast are they going? I know it's price yeah, it's right. in neighborhood. And if something's priced right, I mean, it's it's gone in a couple of days. And I see sometimes, you know, people get are talking about multiple offers. Mm -hmm. You know, is that a, a technique where you kind of underprice something a little bit to get a whole bunch of things in there hoping the price goes up? Or It can be, and it depends on what your seller wants. And... and Different sellers are going to have different motivations for what they want. You know, so one reason to maybe price a little low is that you might need to move fast or you might want to just be really sure that the deal happens. You don't necessarily want, you don't care necessarily for the absolute top dollar. You just want the most solid buyer you can find. And it's going to be easier to do that if you have more than one, right? Yeah. You might have the, some, the one that comes in says cash two weeks, you know. And if you have that, and that's really important to you more so than squeezing out an extra couple thousand bucks, 
then pricing a little low is probably smart because then that way you're going to get what you want out of that. So it really depends on what the seller is looking for. I mean, that cash two weeks, that's, um, that, that seems pretty powerful. You yeah, know, cash is me. king. Yeah. Cash is king. Yeah. How, and, and Joey, maybe you could jump in on this. How does a, a typical home buyer that doesn't have the cash, somebody that wants to buy that house, how does that home buyer compete with that, you know, with all cash? Go ahead, Joey. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's certainly not the easiest thing in the world. However, uh, you can still compete with cash. I know, uh, I don't yeah. know where all this liquidity came from, you know, but it's it's a, a, a wild addition to the market, right? Um, the biggest thing is you need to have people like Mark in your corner that if you're dealing with someone who's getting a mortgage, they know that that, that, that pre-approval is golden, right? right? You know, you have lenders that I'm not going to say any lender's name, but some of them might write with pocket mortgage and <laughs> they will just throw toilet paper at anything. And that's what that, that deal turns into is just garbage, right? Uh, because they don't screen docs, they don't screen buyer situation, they don't ask the right questions to make sure that there's no big changes coming up in that person's life that may affect the mortgage and the, the, their ability to buy this property, right? So that's honest. If, if you're going to be, be competing with a cash offer, you need a lender and a, uh, a real estate agent who are big advocates for you and are picking up their phone. Because if, if you're going mm -hmm. as a cash offer, you can believe that that list agent is going to call your lender. And yeah. if they are not responsive, you are really? going to lose out on a property. Oh and my gosh, normal. I'm on the phone it, with list agents more than buy agents. Yeah. So, wow. and there's not, there's only so much Joey can say, you know, but he can give a general, yeah, he's a really good buyer, you know? Are there I, I different really, levels? For pre-approvals or not really there's kind of it really is like what joey's saying it's really about how trustworthy is the person that wrote it and how competent is the person that wrote it you know if someone writes a pre-approval letter just because you wrote down something on a napkin for them that's not really any good but if you if someone that really understands the process and under, understands the moving parts writes the pre-approval that's worth a lot joey give me the details on that what do you do to give the power to your client that's getting a mortgage to you and they're pre-approved, you did all your homework. How do you explain to the listing agent, I guess, because they're the ones that are gonna be presenting the offer to the clients or the sellers. How do you explain that this is a good buyer? For sure, so I mean, the biggest thing, in my opinion, is gonna be my personal reputation. Um, I've never had a pre-approved buyer get denied financing. Thousands of transactions between me and my team have never had a single borrower denied financing ever. Um, but just on an individual basis, the first thing they want to know is, you know, have you run credit? Absolutely. If you don't run credit, then you don't have a pre anything. You have toilet paper, a uh, running credit. We're going to go back to the toilet paper a lot. I know that. Sorry, oh Joe. Gosh. Go. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's good. It's, it, I mean, but it is. It's true. Uh, I mean, I could go on a rocket mortgage right now and fill out a totally fake name, totally fake, sorry, pocket mortgage. And I could probably get myself <laughs> pre-approved, even though I'm not even a person, right? But I think docs, I saw something where the Barbie doll got approved. Yeah, <laughs> I read that on Facebook. That, a Barbie that, doll that, got approved for a mortgage to, through that program. And I really don't want to go bashing them, you know. That's uh, Say again, Joey, I think I lost you again. No. Yeah, no, there's no. going to be rock star lenders everywhere. I, it's, it's, it's still there. I, I apologize. Yeah, this is the first time I've ever had to do this show on the phone. Um, Sorry about that. It's all good. Are you guys there? We are. We can hear okay. you just fine. So, yeah. so there's going to be rock star lenders that work at any company, right? Uh, it, so I don't necessarily want to bash any single company, whatever. It's, it's always the individual lender who makes or breaks the deal. I don't care where they work. If they know what they're doing, they know their underwriting guidelines, they can rank or break the deal. So anyway, pre-approval, document collection. I want the, you know, your last two years of W-2s or tax returns, depending on if you're self-employed or, or a W-2 borrower. Uh, to make sure your income is still consistent. Uh, I'm always going to collect asset documentation, make sure there's no weird deposits that don't make sense. And if there is, I have to make sure that I can source it. And I will always source it before I offer the pre-approval because if I can't, 
All right, we lost him again. If he can't, then obviously that deal's going to fall through is what I'm going to finish right. his sentence for it. Yeah, yeah. And that's where it comes in there. I'm sorry, Joey. We, I'm not sure we're going to be able to, you know, keep coming back to you because we keep losing you. I, I apologize for that. Um, Mark, what, what is your onboarding process? You know, and part of what we do on this show is kind of go through the whole routine mm-hmm. from beginning to end. And I know we ate up you know, half the time already just talking about the really cool stuff that's going on in the market right, right now. Right. But, you know, Joey brings up a good point. You know, you got, you, you don't do things, you're not Superman. You don't do things alone. There's other professions that are involved. Right. How do you go about, you know, finding A, your trusted partners that you're going to be working with and then, you know, getting your clients ready to be in that position where they can fight those cash buyers? Yeah. So, like I was saying before, I think the biggest thing is just information. So talking with someone, understanding where they are, where they want to be, and how we're going to get from A to B is the most important part. So that's a very detailed conversation that involves their lifestyle, their financial means, et cetera, et cetera. There's always a part where I'm doing my initial sit down with someone where it's like, all right, now I'm going to ask you some really personal questions, <laughs> but it's important that you answer them, you know? Yeah. and most people it wouldn't be polite for to ask you this, but we kind of have to know so that we're going to find you the right house, and that's a big part of it. And once, can you share some of those personal questions? I want to see how I do. Oh, you want to ask that? You know, um, are you going to have kids in the next six no. months? No. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, honey, I love you. No. no. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, just things like that. You know, um, you know, how much money do you really have? Some of those questions are a little bit uncomfortable, but it's important. They are. It's like, you know. Yeah, it's personal. You know, it's like, how much do you have in savings? And the mortgage person's going to ask that anyways. They're going to need to know because mm. they have, you know, they're going to have to know their reserves. They're going to have to know their monthly income, all this type of stuff. I mean, I try not I try not to do as much as that. I try to leave that to the mor- to the expert, which is the mortgage person. But it is a good idea to have those some of those number, at least general ideas in mind because I don't want someone to buy a place and then have no rainy day fund. Right. You know, that would be terrible. You right? got to live your life, too. You can't yeah. end up being mortgage broke. Yeah, exactly. Like, house poor is a horrible place to be. So I mm. never ask, I never ask like, how much someone is approved for on their mortgage. I always ask, what do you want to spend? Okay. You know, what's comfortable for you? Not theoretically what's possible. What is, but what, isn't the percentage most people buy as much as they can? Um, There's quite a few people that do. They just yeah. kind of stretch themselves a little thin, but I don't. I don't think that's a, I don't, I don't like having people do that. Like, I, I don't want people to do that. I try to avoid that as much as possible. Yeah. But you know, I mean, you still give them the freedom of choice, but you, right, of course. you, yeah. you tell them about, you know, these are some of the pitfalls that I've seen other people happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't you, want to see that happen to you. Right. Cause there's, there's things that happen in life and it's just better to have, be able to smooth over, you know, a little rough patch if something comes along. Exactly. Know? Having and, money in reserves is huge. Yeah. You never know when things are going to dry up. I couldn't go more. Um, so the main onboarding is really to have more people, people that think that same way, you know, think about things in the long term. you know, in some cases I might say, you know, it's fine if you buy a two bedroom, but you can afford a three bedroom easily. And based on what you're telling me, I think you may have a kid in two years and a two bedroom with one kid and you buy a place and then you go and sell it three years from now. That's mm-hmm. not a smart idea. If you can grow into it. You know, that three bedroom is going to, while it costs a little more now, is going to be a lot better fit for you and your lifestyle. And you're not going to go through, you know, buying and selling is kind of a high cost proposition, you know. It it's, is. You know, so it's. There's a lot of expenses You don't want to do around. it over and over and over again, no. you know, like unless you have like all the money in the world and you just kind of want to live in different places. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. But if that's not your you know, situation, then it's better to kind of plan on being in a place for a while. You know, look at things in the medium to long term. That's like the smarter way to do it. So I can be able to just look at that way and not, you know, I want my trusted advisors that are going to be the trusted advisors for my clients to be the partners that are going to look at, you know, I'm going to run my home inspection business for the long term. I want to do a really good job so that people naturally want to work with me for their lifetime, you know, not just get this done and go home. Right. And similar with attorneys and mortgage lenders and all that. Just really take care of the details and do everything in a very, very like thorough way and thoughtful way. And at times you need to be creative, you know, especially in a low inventory market. You might have to come up with creative strategies, but 
kind of putting all those things together with people so that, you know, if you're doing something that's a little like not the normal way of doing it, right. but people have like the thoughtfulness to figure out what you're going for and go along with it so that we can do something unique that, you know, maybe it's easy enough for someone to just go open a door and say, here's the house. But what's more important is being able to say, yeah. a, like, come up with a unique way to make sure that, oh, you know, I can actually buy this house by, we figured out something that the seller wants that we can provide that's not necessarily the price. You know? and, I, and I think a lot of that goes with the, a difference from a good quality professional to somebody who just has a license. Right, right. And what I mean by that is there are a lot of real estate agents that, you know, the only thing they're going to do is unlock the door for you. Right. And let you in and fill in the blanks on all that stuff. And your mortgage guy, and interrupt me, tell me I'm wrong, you know, and debate me on this one, but your mortgage guy, your attorney, your home inspector, everybody who you work with in there, they all represent you. If you're referring yeah, them yeah. and they get a black mark on them, you get a black mark yeah, on you. Is that a fair statement? Everyone reflects on, e on each on other. On each other. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah it's, it has to be, people all have to be on the same page with understanding, you know, all of us the business, the nature of the business, and you've seen this, is some days are slower yeah. and some days are really fast. Oh, yeah. And there's some days when you're been being pulled in 20 different directions and yeah. there's no, like, you can't, like, doing every detail is kind of this, like, superhuman effort. Right. And, but if you work with people that are trustworthy and thoughtful and all this, you know, if something that the attorney normally does but maybe can't get to but that can be done, you know, legally, it's not an issue for someone else, like for me to do it. Mm -hmm. He knows he can say, Hey, do you have a spare 15 minutes to handle this for me? Yes, I do. Um, you know, and then I'll, I'll repair the, pay the favor. You know, a lot of times what I'll do is when the inspection report comes in, I summarize it in an editable way. Let the have, so that the buyers aren't taking the time trying to do that. And the attorney's not taking the time trying to do that. I'm doing that so that I understand what's being said, yeah. you know, and what the, what, what's in there. And so yeah. that, that forces me to really go through it and know it. But and then a lot also, of these softwares too have that built in there yeah, yeah, and yeah. let you do that. So you could pick and choose, right, right. You know, where are the important items that we want to talk about? Where are the, okay, I got this. Yeah. 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 You know, sorry. And then, but, but the nice thing about it is then that takes a lot off the attorney's plate. They don't have to worry about doing that. And so their life gets a little easier. And then they, they, then I know that if I need them to do something, that they're going to return the favor. I like that. You know what I mean? And similar with the, you know, with the lender, you know, sometimes there's some paperwork that a lender needs or something like that. And they might say, hey, can you help me make this happen? You know, we need to make this paperwork happen. It's like, yeah, whatever we got to do. You know, everyone needs to be able to understand that the way things go, sometimes it's a little, e it makes things a lot easier if you're willing to do just a, something that's a little outside your normal job description. And that you know? trust. Yeah. And, and that's that what trust. you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's all about that trust. That doesn't come overnight. Right, right. You know, that takes a, a good conversation, a heart to heart, they're putting people on the spot. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes it takes a test yeah, where yeah. it comes with it. And, you know, and I'm fine with people making mistakes. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I, I know no human being is perfect, but it's how we handle the mistakes. Yeah. You know, I'm a big believer just own up to I'm it. I'm sorry, own up to <laughs> it, yeah. fix it. Throw it in reverse, do what you got to do, and then move on. Right. You exactly. know, and, and yeah. just do the right thing at the right time for the right reason. And if there's a way to, you know, if you made a mistake, but there's a way to kind of make up for it, you know, whether it's like a $200 mistake and you find a way to get the 200 bucks back to someone. Yeah. You know, you just do it. Just, you just do say, it. look, yeah, we're going we're gonna to make it like the mistake never happened, you know. And anytime you can do that, you just go back and fix it if possible. And, but always own up to it, no matter what. Some things are fixable, some things aren't. If they're fixable, fix them. If they're not fixable, own up to it. Do the best you can to get something close to a fix. I got some of the dumbest things in the world. And, you know, one of them is angry people do angry things. Desperate people do desperate things. You know, and, and angry people are vindictive. Yeah. And if you can fix the problem before that anger kicks in there. Yeah. People don't, you know, in, in the fireman business, it was always, you, you put the damn fire out. And once the fire goes out, all the other problems go away. Right, right. All right. So just get the fire out as fast as you can, and then everything else is fine. We don't have to worry about the other problems that come in there. Same here. Fix the actual problem, and we move on there. I was listening to Joey talking a little bit about his pre-approval, and I was watching you nodding your head yes on a lot of stuff. Give me 
you know your thought process on on him. He he he's been on the show a lot, and one of the reasons why I like him here is because he's very proactive about getting everything done ahead of time. All yeah. right. Yeah. And his biggest claim to fame is going to be, listen, I I'm going to have all the paperwork and ever ready. I know what the underwriters are going to be going for. We're mm-hmm. going to get this stuff here before you even put your name on there. So that after you put your name on there and you only have this short time, we know it's going to go through. Right, right. What's your take on stuff like that? Is that good? Is it overkill? <laughs> yeah. You know? No, no. That um, One of the things I say a lot, and, you know, I have a newer agent that, you know, has been working with me for about a year, and so I've been training her and stuff like that. Yeah. And one of the things that I say to her and that I say to anyone that is trying to you know, work through this industry is front load your work. As much as possible. Front load, I like that. front load all your work. Get everything that you can done out of the way as early as possible because, like we were saying before, there are times when things move really, really, really fast. Yeah. And if that f- work is front loaded and all you have to do is a couple details, handle a couple things, everything goes a lot smoother when everything's going crazy. You know, and you have this situation we are getting pulled in 20 directions, yeah. but if you have your paperwork that was done on a slow day last week and you didn't procrastinate on it and all you have to do is, you know, fill in two blanks to be ready to go, that's manageable. But if you're writing up an entire document, you know, that you could have done last, you could have had 95% done last week, that's going to make your life a, a lot more difficult at the time when you, the last thing you need is something to be more difficult. And Mortgage underwriting is, is really the same way. They have to have everything, all those little details that could come up need to be known ahead of time. So when the time comes for the actual thing, if things go a little weird and there's something that ca- could cause a delay, you're not going to run into an issue that makes things worse. You know, it's like front load everything as much as possible. I always, I always say that. And there is enough time in the day over the course of a week to have things done ahead of time. You know, maybe on a single day there maybe isn't. Yeah. But over the course of a week, there's going to be a time when you have some time to get something done that maybe isn't necessarily urgent for tomorrow, yeah. but it could be next week. Just get it done, you know, and get it done ahead of time so that you're not running around looking like completely disheveled and like they have no idea what's going on when the things are like pretty hectic, you know. And, and it's mostly for the mortgage portion, right? I That's mean, for everything. Really? Even yeah. in our end on the home inspectors? I mean... Well, for home inspectors, there's kind of... You can only front load so much, right? I mean, yeah, that's you, what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. You have to get there and get it done. But but obviously, you know, if... You know, like, let's say you go do... It's kind of the last inspection of the day and you're kind of tired. But you know you have a full weekend ahead of you. Get that report done that night. Yeah, without <laughs> you, a doubt. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, have it out of the way so that... Because you never know what's going to happen over the weekend. And then, yeah. Stuff like that, right? And that's one of our sales pitches. And of course, I got to plug my company. Yeah. And we are going <laughs> to go around the horn here a little bit just to give out some more information. But that's the whole reason, you know, and, and this is part of our whole marketing and our strategy and what makes us different. We're only going to do one a day. Right. And we're only going to do it in the morning. And then we write, we don't want to write the report in while we're doing the inspection because, you know, I'm, I'm not... I'm not a young man, all right? <laughs> and I cannot multitask. And I I can you know, I can focus on the house. There's three things that we have to focus on if we're going to write the report on site. We have to focus on our client, we have to focus on the house, and then we have to focus on writing the report. Mm-hmm. I can't do those three things. I can only do two. Right. All right. So for me, the mo- two most important things are going to be that house and that client. And I'm going to focus my attention on them. And then the afternoon when I'm alone, I can go ahead and take all the photos and everything else and put them in the proper area with the categories and everything else like that. Um, yeah, I just, I, I, and there's still people out there doing three and four a day. I, I can't figure that out, you know, on mm-hmm. how people can do that. They get right the reports on site. And, you know, and I, I guess I can. It's the amount of issues that go into the report and for me, our clients, they always come back with, we just want to know, all mm-hmm. right? I can make my own decision. I'm a, I'm a smart person. I just need to know how, how bad is it, how soon do I have to take care of it, and how much is it going to cost? And then I could decide whether or not I want to accept it, all mm-hmm. right? So a um, little bit more about our company. It's Chicagoland Home Inspectors. Um, our website is www.thehome, 
Inspectors, that's plural, O-R-S, and it's a .com. Our phone number is 312-544-9180. I got the number right twice, um, which is a, a big deal for me, all right? Um, anybody who's interested in becoming a home inspector, uh, we do teach training programs. We do work with the Joliet Junior College. We are putting on an information session on March 5th. At 10 o'clock at JJC, their phone number is 815-280-1555. Repeating, 815-280-1555. If you're interested and you want to find out what our business is about, please give them a call. It's going to be a two-hour session when it comes in there. Mark, if you don't mind, give us the scoop on your business again, please. Sure. So I work for Jameson Sotheby's International Realty. Uh, international companies. Pretty much the recognized top international bro or luxury brokerage in the world. Now, they have offices all over Chicagoland, right? Uh, yeah, there are a number in Chicagoland, but every major city on, on, on the entire planet, basically. Now, um, does every office your office, or is there one that's more specifically your office? Uh, mine's more specifically the one in Old Town. Old Town, okay. Uh, yeah, so on North Avenue, uh, which is a nice location because you can get to the highway easily or Lakeshore, you know, so... It's kind of easy to get around from there to a lot of parts of the city. Nice. And what's your phone number again? 773-677-2529. And is there an easy website address or something where they could find you? Or um, Yeah, actually, you know, I've kind of recently uh, put a new website up. Um, nice. And here, let me... I'm, they were just doing the finishing touches on it, so let me look real quick. And make sure that it's no, that's it's good. running at the moment. Um, ah, no, I'll give you a, <laughs> I'll give you the website a little bit later. But um, well, give it to us anyway. Yeah. E even though it's not live, it'll probably be live when the show airs on Saturday. So please. Okay. Yeah. So one second. It may not be the easiest thing. You can find me on you know all the social networks and everything. Um, let me get you. Mm. While we're doing that, Joey, if you're there and we can hear you, give us your scoop, please. Yes. Yeah, I don't know when I broke up last time, but uh, Joey Matthews at the Federal Savings Bank. Uh, cell phone is 630-235-2405. Call or text anytime. I'm a nut job, and I love it. I'm a nut job, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what. I don't even know how to respond to that. You know, it's just, it, but you are one hell of a good professional and um you know i'm i guess this is kind of like that uh hair commercial or whatever it is i'm not just a, a spokesperson talking about you but i'm also a past client as well you know <laughs> of joey's in there so um and i gotta say that when we did go through our financing with you joey you did make everything very smooth and easy and you made me feel comfortable mark you got that website yep it's markdollardchicago.com MarkDollardChicago.com. Mm -hmm. That's nice and easy. Good. Yep. And it has, you know, stuff about me, but it has a lot of, you know, property search and stuff like that. So you can go through and search for whatever you're looking for, actually. Nice. Tell me more about your team. Oh, How yeah. many people are there? Yeah. So um, I have a partner who is mostly working in Montana now. Her name's Debbie Maui. Okay. Um, but she did Chicago real estate for over 30 years. Okay. Uh, she... You know, went to UIC and then straight out of college was a real estate agent here. So that's for a, long a Chicago time. person for a long time. Yep, she has all the like all the experience in the world. Amazing person to work with because she's seen it all through the years. Nice. Um, but now she spends almost all of her time in Montana, and that's a whole nother market. Yeah, and out it, there it's, cra it's crazy, way crazier than Chicago. <laughs> it's there. There are times when there's pretty much nothing available. You know, um, at I, all. And I don't know why, but. You know, it was like, I think it's called Bozeman, Montana. Yeah. I was looking in that general area and just, you know, getting on realtor.com or whatever and looking at houses and prices. And I'm like, holy cow, I thought Chicago was expensive. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, when you get to the higher end neighborhoods, but you go yeah. here, it's ridiculous. And as yeah. you said, there weren't that much. Yeah, there's not um, much available. Um, everything's like, it's a nice new development. So Debbie has a nice new development there. And it's going to be about a million a bedroom for those condos. A million a bed for a condo. Yeah. For condos. That's I mean, they're slope, one they're slope nice side. View. Yeah, slope side. So, I mean, it's How many square feet? Um, you know, the one bedrooms are probably 850 or something like that, you know, but yeah, for a, close to a million. Yeah. I hate you. But the three bedrooms are bigger, but it's super luxurious. It's, it's very nice, but. 
but that's Still. that's what it's like in the mountain towns. Um, all the mountain towns are like that. Every single one. And that's actually part of what's cool about our team is, you know, through her we know really great agents in all the ski towns, and a lot of the the big metropolitan areas and everything. So yeah. a lot of people leave Chicago for you know, or they buy a second home somewhere. You know, they buy a, a ski home or stuff like that. We actually know people personally really well that we ski with, that we, you know, spend time with. I didn't face know to you face. were a skier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we do that. We do a lot of that. And so almost any city you can think of that someone might want to move to, I know a really good agent personally. It's not it's not me getting in getting out a you know directory and saying, Oh, here's um here's someone I think would be good here. I actually know these people and I've spent time with them. Like a like real face to face time. Nice. You know. You built a relationship. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's so, what this whole business is really about. Yeah, it's all about relationships. Yeah. And tr- if trust, you don't know someone, you can't trust them. Yep, trust and relationships is everything, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's a really nice ancillary benefit. I mean, they're all Sotheby's agents, you know, so there's like a certain standard that we hold to, and it's nice to be able to, you know, for people that are moving out to know that they can work with someone who's really good. Um, but then on my team, we have a couple junior agents, one who focuses a lot on uh, rentals, and then... Rentals is still a big deal. Yep. And then my yeah. my newer junior agent, who's doing great, she's uh, she's everything that I could hope for, like hardworking, smart, nice. thoughtful, cares about people, you know, trustworthy, all that type of stuff. And we're going to be releasing a full video series, like we're starting on, like Chicago neighborhoods, where we're going to talk about all the different neighborhoods. And I love it. All this type of stuff. But we're, that's all in production. I am a nerd when it comes to the 78 neighborhoods in yeah, the city yeah, of yeah, Chicago. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. And I think the last one is called 78, right? They didn't give it a name yet? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> you know, when it comes to it, that's yeah. all stuff. So did I hear four then is is where... Yeah, and then we have our assistant. Yeah. Comes so, in. There. So five people yeah. on the team that yeah. are mm-hmm. are working and you keep everyone focused. That's pretty amazing how all that stuff intertwines and, and you find a fit. And one of, one of my favorite questions to ask for real estate agents is... If you were to coach somebody, somebody's coming on board, they're a brand new agent, what words of wisdom would you give them to help them become successful? I mean, we see a lot of people come and go. Mm-hmm. What one trait would you give them to be successful or tell them to focus on? Um, I'd say do everything based on a long-term relationship with your clients. I like that. Yeah, that's kind of the way, you know, and I'm not trying to butter up to you, but that's the way I run my business. Yeah. You know, we're here for the long run. Do the right thing at the right time for the right reason that comes in here. Mm-hmm. So give us your contact information one more time, Mark. We got a little bit of time left, but we are running short. So. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 773-677-2529 is my cell phone. That's pretty much the only phone you'll find me at. And my website is markdollarchicago.com. Sounds good. And this is Charlie Belfontaine with Joey Matthews on the Home Buyers Hour. And I want to thank you for listening. And that's all I got. Have a good day.